Hello and welcome to Who Books That with Harrison Greenbaum. I'm your host, Harrison Greenbaum, and thank you so much, as always, for watching. We are here every Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you're on the East Coast, 4 p.m. If you're on the West Coast, uh, and we're now in uh, Daylight Savings Time, we're out of it, so it's EST now, which is very exciting. Um, and if you are not a member of the International Brotherhood of Magicians um, or a member and would like to renew your membership, just go to magician.org slash join dash the dash IBM dash join. It's an incredible organization. They presented this show now in its 33rd episode. We've been doing shows since March. This is crazy. Um, so a huge thanks to IBM for always being supportive and to you for watching. Uh, if you'd like to download this episode or any other past episode as a podcast, go to Apple Music or wherever you download your podcast. You can go to whobooksthat.com for more information. And uh, if you can leave a, a review, uh, maybe even a five-star review of the podcast, that goes a really long way in spreading the word about this podcast. Uh, we are now top 100 performing arts podcasts in more than eight countries around the world, United States, uh, United Kingdom, Australia, France, Sweden, Japan, Denmark, uh, and Canada, which is important because our guest tonight is Canadian. She grew up on the West Coast of Canada. Now she's on the East Coast of Canada. She comes from a very magical family. Her father, uh, Tony, was uh, an incredible magician himself. Julie, uh, our guest, not only is an incredible magician, but she's also the executive director of Magicana, which is an arts organization dedicated to the study, exploration, and advancement of magic as a performing art. She's one of the founding organizers for My Magic Hands and Senior Sorcery, both of which are incredible charities that we will talk about on this program. She's an incredible performer. She's won tons of awards. She's been on uh, all sorts of magazine covers. Check these out. That's a linking ring all the way to business class, which was uh, recently, uh, and Jeannie right in the middle. Um, so make some noise, get excited. A fantastic magician all the way uh, from north of the wall. It's Julie Ang, everybody. Give it up for her. How you doing? Hi, how are you, Harrison? Good to see you. Thank you so much for inviting me. This is super exciting. Uh, this is, honestly, it's my pleasure. And, uh, you know, depending on how the election goes, I might have to move uh, up to Toronto. I got lots of room. I got lots of room. Okay, <laughs> uh, well, I want to launch uh, into this. Okay. Um, you were born into a magical family. Your dad was a magician. Mm -hmm. uh, there's some great pictures. That's you. I believe that's how you were born. Was <laughs> there's a story at my house. Yeah, I'm not uh, delivered by the stork. I'm pulled out of a hat. My mother has a completely different version, but you'll have to talk to her about that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, so walk me back to that. Uh, do you have any memories without magic? I... Um, I do, but everything stems around magic. My dad, as you can see, uh, was a terrific dad, but he he loved his kids. My sister and I are incredibly blessed to have had him for the many years that we did, and he just loved having fun. So magic was a very natural thing. It was always in our house, and that also got me into a lot of interesting conversations when I'm a kid, I was a kid. We are here about... I must be about four years old. Yeah, like it It was like pretty zany. I, I you know, I do have a superhero tendency. <laughs> I do not march around in spandex anymore. <laughs> but that's where I, about, that's where I have a similar thought of me in, in this kind of magician costume as a kid. It always, I'm, I'm glad to know that even if my parents were, were magicians, they would still have dressed me this way. <laughs> Yeah, you need the cuffs. <laughs> yeah, because your dad your dad knew there was other looks to magicians, but he chose the cape anyway. We so had the cape anyway. That was from my Wonder Woman costume. 
Oh, that's amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's the perfect repurposing. Right. So that's that was really when I believe I'm about five there. And uh, so what does your dad teach you when you're five, when he's a magician? That was it. My first oh, thing. Yeah, yeah. So I went around the neighbors and I had to do a trick or treat. So the neighbor says, well, let's see. They knew my dad's a magician. Well, let's see a trick. And so I had this prepared. And I'm like, this is good. They give you stuff if you do this. <laughs> <laughs> so my sister was tagging along for the ride. Her bag is getting stuff. This is great. So yeah, it started really early for us. That's amazing. Uh, and here's I, there's so many great pictures. Uh, here's another one of you on stage with your dad. That's me beside my father, my little sister to toward my mom there. But that's the family. Like this is like a regular October at uh, for us. <laughs> this was October. <laughs> this is the Lantern Festival in Victoria at the Oak Bay High Gymnasium, and it was like our event. It was very close to my birthday, so it's always a big festive thing. And it was always so much fun. We got to be on these great costumes and we did the Lantern Festival. It was for the Chinatown Lions. So it was always these, I was always a part of a service club as a kid as well. My dad was very much, yeah, that was us promoting it. So that's the Lantern Festival. And that's, you know, my sister and I um, got to wear these great costumes from a friend of ours. She had meticulously taken care of, she's like a pseudo aunt and, and grandmother to us. She'd taken all of these costumes from China, brought them home to Canada and then she would parade them out so we could really have a like a, a pageant of, of Chinese culture. And that was the Lantern Festival. So I started this, you know, since infancy. <laughs> and also, I mean, usually there's that story where you tell your parents, I'm going to be a magician and they're they're disappointed. Was was your sister who became an architect? Did she end up getting that? Was, was it, was, were the roles reversed? It's it's so funny. You know, it's like, how do I get out of this gig? You know, <laughs> We're always in boxes or always, you know, holidays are busy. It was, it, my dad had trick and joke shop for a while. So we were busy there for Christmas. Like it was always hectic. It was always magic. But my sister, um, I'm, I'm a, a, just a few months older than my sister. We're incredibly close in age. So, you know, I think as an, having an older sister in that, and then, you know, she wants to define herself. So she, she, she was always a gifted uh, artist right from the get go. She was a great um, drawer in particular. And uh, she she always wanted to be an architect, always, always. It was like, as far as I can remember, and it's a big part of her, you know, that was her def definition of identity. So it was cool. You know, we had these distinctive kind of roles. And of course, my dad and my mom were incredibly supportive for both of us to do, you know, to pursue those things. But the big thing was you got to go to university because they, they right. gave that up to have us. So and they that, that around, around university time, were you doing show, shows in malls? Was that part of uh, the repertoire? I, well, I was, I did all kinds of gigs, Harrison. <laughs> I did them all. I, I, I think we did everything from, you know, birthday parties to all the way through. I had a gig for a while when I was in university for the, there's a famous attraction in Victoria called the Butchard Gardens. And I was really honored to be, you know, asked to do that. They'd seen my, my dad work before. Then they saw that I was doing this on my own. I think my dad had the shop at the time. So it, got, it really helped my promotion. And I started doing a lot of shows like that. And that's when I started to like separate out myself. I mean, I started when I was maybe 11 or 12 when I was doing birthday party shows. So my dad had to drive me to these gigs. And he, would, <laughs> he would set up the stuff for me. He'd be like hauling the, you know, he'd set up. Was the he ever gigs. jealous? Was he ever, did you ever, was he ever wanting to do the gigs that you were booking? It was, it was never like that. He just said, okay, we're going to set you up. Like my first show was a dealer demo. Like it was just this whole line 
of stuff. Like that's the perks of your dad owning the magic store. That was before the shop. That was before. The oh my god, that's even better. Had. So Silk Caddy's here. Crystal Cylinders here. You know, I don't know what here. It, it just kept going, and so we had this huge lineup of stuff. And um, when I went to these shows, the kids always. My dad. This is a small town I grew up in, Victoria, BC. So my dad's name was known for this guy being a magician. And they thought, oh, well, Mr. Ring, you're going to come and do our show. He goes, no, she is. And he was very quick to put me out there and to promote me as a, se a separate identity, as a magician in my own right. And that was very heartening to me. You know, he never took umbrage to, to teasing me even. And as a result, you know, he wanted me to learn. Like, I would go assist him, but he would come and assist me. Like, it was very yeah. fair. And he, so when I was a little kid, I couldn't drive yet. I was anxious, chomping at the bit to drive. But he's just like, okay, you have to wait a couple of years. <laughs> so he'd drive me to these gigs. He'd set everything up. And what he would do is only charge me five bucks for coming to help me. <laughs> That's a good deal. <laughs> it's a hell of a deal. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, the reason I bring up the mall shows um, is because uh, normally we put the surprise guests at the end, but one of our surprise guests has something else to do. And uh, I, I, would, I think it's important we get him on. Um, he met you at a mall show. Okay. Uh, he is a fantastic magician. He's been on the program before. I love him. I know you love him. Give it up for John Carney, everybody. Oh, this is my pal. <laughs> I didn't meet Julie at a, at a uh, mall show, but I saw her do a show in a mall. Oh, we, I, I, I go back. He, John used to perform in a, in a tour that our friend Murray Hatfield would do across Canada. And John was a, a part of this tour a few times. So that's when we first got to know him because Murray would bring the med magicians and the gang down to my dad's store and we would, you know, meet everybody. And John later came to, that's our store. That's uh, our shop. So that we would come out and hang out at the store and um, the, the, the magicians would come in and we got to really hang out and meet a lot of these guys. So you're meeting one of my favorite magicians right here. Uh -huh. Well, John, uh, I, I know you go way back with, with Julie. Uh, what, when, how was Julie like the Julie you met when you first met her, and how has she changed? She's the same. She's a, she's just more accomplished now. She's a, a Renaissance woman. I think she was bitten by a radioactive spider or a rabbit. Or <laughs> a radioactive Google calendar. It's made her yeah. very nice. Super <laughs> powers. Uh, anything she 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 attempts, she excels at. You know. Uh, uh, she does great sleight of hand. She, you know, does, does, lays out these beautiful books, photography, cooking, and everything. It's fantastic. And she smells good. <laughs> <laughs> That's important. Magicians, I've been in enough magic conventions. I can tell you smelling good is not uh, very high on the list for most magicians. I take yeah. great pride in that. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny has been a great pal. He's been super supportive and he calls, he checks in on me all the time. And we sometimes talk about magic tricks. Sometimes we talk about sourdough bread. Sometimes we're trying to figure out how to make pizza together. Who is the better sourdough bread? Is there a rivalry? <laughs> well, that's a whole other, that's a whole other discussion. I've got my thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm so proud of uh, everything that Julie's uh, done. And, uh, and you know, one of her other skills is interpersonal skills. You know, she's, she, she's not just great to, the nice people. She can deal with difficult people, people that I want to punch. She's, uh, she's finesses everything. She's just, just a wonderful person. Oh, thank you, Johnny. And speaking of difficult people, can you imagine if that was my transition? If that was how I brought the next guest? 
I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, um, uh, John, uh, well, one of the things was, I know you also knew her dad. And I wonder, since we we're, we started off in that, if you could speak to that a little bit. Uh, well, I just have uh, just nice memories of uh, visiting up there. I, I did uh, my first lecture tour. I think I think I was like 19 or 20 or something, and I saw the shop. And then later we did uh, a tour of ca Canadian cities, uh, and uh, we got to see it again. And uh, you know, and and uh, really got to know Julie after she moved to Toronto. I, I knew her very casually. Uh, before that, but after Toronto and Magic Can and everything, we started communicating more often. We'd see each other. Uh, we have this really wonderful event uh, that we, John and I went with with a lot of our friends today, that was hosted here in Toronto by um, David Ben and, and, and our very dear friend, Alan Slate, who is a great patron of Magicana as well with the Slate Family Foundation. And we would have this wonderful conference. And I mean, I have met my, my very dear friends. I was telling Harrison, you know, just how close yeah. we are because, you know, we come to this convention, we get to hang out, we get to kind of, you know, have some downtime together as well and to, to really form real relationships. And I got to know a lot of fantastic magicians in Toronto because of, like during my time in Toronto, because of that, uh, that conference. And that's 31 Faces North. <laughs> these great, are, great memories, yeah. yeah. So these, this is one of our, um, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> There I am. <laughs> I put a little arrow so people know exactly where you are. <laughs> this is just one of our, our fantastic conferences. I think this is from 2015 because I see Darcy back there. And yeah, like these, you know, the, these are really dear, dear friends of mine because we get to hang out. We, we sit around for three days and a couple of nights just totally hanging out. But not only sharing magic through like formal things like lectures and, you know, I, I, I have to organize it with like the uh, telling the guys what their jobs are. <laughs> when you come to the conference, you got to come with something. So I, I have the fun job of telling everybody, okay, so, and Johnny, always, 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 you know, if I need him to perform, yes. Could you do this? Yes. Can you do that? Yes. <laughs> you know, always, always. Yeah, never, a, never a no from, from my, my always for the spotlight. That's it. I'm not trying to help anybody. I just. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be in front. I want to be the the main attraction. Well, you certainly are. <laughs> no, but it was it was just fun because part of uh, this get together was knowing that your friends are going to be there and you want to have something good to show them. So it gives you uh, a goal and a deadline to work on things and say, oh, oh, wouldn't it be great? I'll show them this and then they'll like that or whatever. So uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to see what other people were working on and, you know, might, might not even be finished, but it was exciting to see. Things. Yeah. And I had that great camaraderie of sharing, like John was saying, like something perhaps not completely finished, but it, it, it helped workshop. And I've seen a lot of routines first sort of born at our, our 31 conferences and John has now made them into a full fledged, you know, they're one of some of my favorite routines. Well, I usually have to twist Julie's arm to get her to do some sleight of hand for me, but, I've, I've seen a few things in person and a few things on video and, and she handles everything very nicely. Like everything else she does, she puts her whole heart into it. And that's, that's what makes it work. Oh, thank you, John. Thank you. Well, John, I know, I know you have to run uh, very soon, but um, in terms of obviously Julie has been a massive success. What have you noticed since you've known her for so long? What are some of the things uh, about her that have, have, have contributed to her success? What are the, what are the sort of the lessons you think people can take away? 
uh, well, she puts her whole heart into everything. And uh, what I mentioned before about the interpersonal skills, it's like you can you can be brilliant at, a, at one thing or two things or a lot of things. But if you can't deal with other people and, and coordinate things, uh, you know, nothing really gets done. But, but you know, she, she's able to focus and, you know, I'm scattered, but she's really focused on everything that she she wants to do. And she's not afraid to work. Uh, you know, she works very hard at it. It's not, you know, maybe she has some natural talent, but, but uh, you know, it's the fact that she dedicates herself to, to learning and growing that uh, really makes her a success. Thank you, Johnny. The final question, because I know you guys have partied together. I've heard there are epic parties at 31 Faces North. Oh, no. More than one article has mentioned Julie's supernatural <laughs> ability to drink everybody under the table. Have you witnessed that firsthand? <laughs> I have never seen uh, Julie out of control, so she must be pouring it down into a little cup or something. And she has yet to catch me swinging from a chandelier. <laughs> really together, yeah. Never seen Julie not be together. <laughs> well, John, thank you so much for joining us. I really, really appreciate it. It's so good to see you, buddy. Stay Bye. safe and stay well. Thank Bye. you, thank you, Johnny. Bye, folks. John Carney, everybody. Uh, Love John. Um, that's not your only surprise, Julie. So strap in. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna come fast and furious. Um, okay. We're, we're bouncing a little bit around the chronology here, um, but let's talk a little bit uh, uh, more about uh, your family. I know um, I have this photo over here. Let's see if I can get it up. There we go. Uh, this is you when you uh, did Dove Magic. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I, everybody has to go through a phase, Harrison. <laughs> Well, it's amazing because some most people, I think, either go to close up or to stage, and you've stayed good at both. Uh, was there like that's, a sort that's, of where you started with one or the other? Yeah, no, that was really an influence of my father. He he had the interest in both, so I was always around magicians who who did both, and so I was inspired by by all these magicians as well. But you know, like. <laughs> But that's my little bunny. You know, we 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 loved animals. My father, you know, he produced children. He produced animals. I mean, it was, it was part of the thing. And I, as I got into performing more and more, I really enjoyed uh, the stage because you know you have command. You hit a one way dialogue. You do this and you pull out that and you do that. My sister would often help me. So you do this. You hand it off to her, and you know you had this nice control. So close up became a big challenge for me because, you know, I, I, I did look younger than I was. So I had to win from um, an appeal point. Like it's not a little kid trying to approach you with something. And I had to, I had to um, work out solutions for things that didn't always fit my hands or, or I, I, I didn't have like always the best um, uh, uh, pocket management, you know, things like that. And I, I tried very hard to mimic other, my, you can see from the photos, actually, it's really interesting that you bring this up now because the, the role models in my life were mostly male, not all, but mostly. So I wanted to be like the guys, like I wanted to try and, and keep up with them. And so I, I bought, that's a, that's a boy's tuxedo <laughs> <laughs> that my mom had helped me. I mean, everything is like enormously too big. Like, I think it's for a 13 year old boy. Okay. You know <laughs> 
And and I had the tie and I had the thing and I figured out how to, to deal with the doves and it's like ridiculous on me, right? Like it was just ridiculous. So I always had to, you know, walk with these really straight, I took ballet as a kid. So I had to walk with very careful, because <laughs> they're bulging out of my jacket. <laughs> and and that that's interesting to me because I know you did, you did ballet for a really long time. You were competitive in rhythmic gymnastics. Here's a photo I think of you just watching other people do ballet. <laughs> my cousin put this on Facebook. <laughs> oh my goodness. Had I known, I would have scrubbed my social media at first. <laughs> no, that's, that's uh, I, what's so important about this particular photo is that I got to be like the big, you know, the big sister of these little fairies. And so my whole gig for that one set was that Lynette, my little cousin, is in one of these blue fairy costumes. So I just got to sit very calmly and I got a little solo, you know, to do with the girls. So it was really You were very good at ballet. You were very good at rhythmic gymnastics. What about magic made that one stick over the others? Well, I, I think that, you know, as a little kid, you're exposed to recreational things like softball, ballet, piano. Like I, I tried all of those things. And I found though that magic was also our livelihood, right? Like <laughs> my dad was was a stickler for that. Like you got to learn to survive too. So, so the show comes first, you know, if we had to do a show, we have to do a show. And that's, that's, you know, this is our family. Like, this is how we, we moved around and, and we moved as a unit. Like we were always performing together. My mom had a job. I had a job. My sister had a job. Like we all had that, that role. And as I grew up into it, it just became, you know, I followed my dad around, you know, he was a hero of mine and, and, and he wanted to teach me all this stuff. But I mean, he would take me down to the workshop, you know, he taught me how to, he wanted me to paint like a silhouette of all of his tools. So I'd leave me down there for hours and then you know, I do that. And then I would, I wanted to learn how to use his lathe. So he taught me how to use that. And then he says, well, you should learn how to do that. Like he taught me how to solder to make sure I could fix the the sink and that I would never be without, you know, self-sufficiency there. Taught me how to change the tires. So I, would, I had this old beater. He was so worried. <laughs> I would always get stuck. But I, so I had to learn how to do all that, you know, and it was important that, I had these these skills. So I naturally started hanging out more and more with my father, just in my natural phase of growing up. And as much as I loved all those other things, and my parents supported us, both my sister and I, in, in ballet, in gym. My sister really got into rhythmics, but it was me then got into magic. <laughs> yes, there we are with the rings. Um, that's, that's like, for me, that was very normal. Like, going <laughs> doing a show, getting all dressed up in costumes, you know. We'd have to like, like everyone thinks, oh, it's so glamorous doing the show. Like I'd be shoved in these, these broom closets trying to change, <laughs> trying to figure out where my eyes are so I can get the makeup on, you know, trying to hit my face with the lipstick. I mean, like that's, you just, you just have to figure it out. And I just wrote an article for the Linking Ring in October issue for the outs. Um, I was asked about, you know, an out and I said, I got one better. And I, I shared a story, a crazy story about helping my dad on a show. And it was, it, that's, that was really, you know, kind of fun too. It was an adventure, you know, and, and we were very, very close, the whole family. And I just, it just stuck with me. And I, I, I did start to get better. So I think I found positive reinforcement inside of that too. You know, I get more gigs. I started to get a little more successful with that. I didn't have to bribe my sister to do the newspaper route for me anymore. <laughs> well, you know what? I think we should ask her uh, ourselves. It's Sandra. 
Julie's sister. I'm so suckered. I knew that. I knew it. I knew it. Oh, what are you doing? What? Oh, how do I get the link so I can oh, watch mom. you? Okay, okay. Hi, um, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you for inviting me. This I, is I, not I, good. It, no, this is this is going to be great. Um, I, I, I noticed one of the stories uh, from very early on is that you guys were both being produced by your dad from a square circle when you were, I think, six months old. Uh, and I was wondering, because uh, it seems to me like, Julie, you were obsessed with how the magic trick worked, and so you became a magician. And Sandra, were you just obsessed with how that trick was actually built? <laughs> I really, at one point, I think I did really just want to, instead of finishing architecture school, I said, maybe I'll just learn how to design illusions. <laughs> I never followed that path, but it was it, that crossed my mind. We we were in that square circle for many moons. Many, and, yeah. uh, it was a giant load. It started off with mom, mom first, and then me, and then Sandra, and then all the stuff that the, my dad produced. Silks, so the flowers, the silks, flowers, chandeliers. I think there was water at one point. Yeah. So yeah, it got a little crazy. It was really packed in there. <laughs> <laughs> and, no, and please, Sandra, how do you explain your family to uh, muggles? <laughs> um, it's funny because it, it often, more often than not, it'll just kind of come out very casually, you know, like, oh, you know, oh, you know what happens to me a lot these days because I have, I have a six-year-old now, so we'll have kid parties or just play dates and the kids will be over and it's like, oh, here's some, here's some balloons. Let's just make some balloon animals. And everyone's so happy, like, wow, how do you know how to make a pool? How do you know how to make a I learned a long time ago <laughs> how to make balloons. It's like muscle memory, though. It's so it is, funny. and it, it really is. Like it just, it's like, oh, I know. We used to give away balloons to every kid at my birthday party. So, so Julie would do the show. Yeah, you would do the show, and then in the backstage, if there was a quiet enough room, if I wasn't squeaking too loud, I would just make all the balloons for all the kids. It was like 20, 20 kids at this point. <laughs> 20, 20 we, we love that balloon pump. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that little guy is um, now the, 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 he is the star of the show. And <laughs> he's the one who summons us to, to have all of these events. So auntie is going to come and perform for my, you know, my, my school because we're going to oh, be yeah. on a show for Montessori. I, I am very happy to do that. So then I was summoned to, again, to come down and do a show for his birthday party. Birthday. So birthday. it's, it's really fun because children are of course full of wonder. And I learned from my nephew Dax what that is, what that looks like to him. You know, it's like, it's such a fun way to rediscover what I may have experienced with my dad. Like it was a very interesting dynamic that Sandra's starting to establish with Dax and me in terms of like, that's the thing that we used to do with dad. So let's do that with auntie. And he, he really does take to it. And he's, he's, a, he's an extrovert like my sister. So he's going to be a natural. <laughs> and, oh, oh. Hi. Hi, Hi, everybody. Hi, Dax. Dax, I hear you're really good at Minecraft. Is that true? Asking yeah. if you're good. Mm -hmm. Yes. What happened yesterday? We were playing together. We had an epic game together. Yeah. There were pigs and trees. It got a little crazy. And cows. <laughs> Don't tell everybody. <laughs> and Dax, do you like magic? Do you like when, when your Aunt Julie does magic? Yes. What's the favorite <laughs> trick, Aunt Dax? What's, your what's the best one? 
um, the vase because I can do it and you can do it. Like this one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to be a magician when you grow up? <laughs> Thank you, Dad. Hello, cameo. That's amazing. You totally gave him something to calm him down. <laughs> or bribed him heavily. Tom, he's covered in chocolate. Didn't you notice? <laughs> I don't know. It's never quiet at my sister's house. And I hear you guys are, are very, very close. Uh, even though you guys... Uh, Sandra is right now outside of Philly and you're up in Toronto. Um, how often do you guys uh, talk to each other? Daily. We were texting five minutes before you started. <laughs> Great, because uh, you guys are exactly the same age apart as me and my younger sister. Uh, where you guys are 17 months, which has anybody ever referred to you as Irish twins? Yeah, it's pretty funny for a Chinese family too. <laughs> <laughs> But we are, we we were often, you could see when we were little that I'm quite a bit taller at Sandra at some points. And then all of a sudden, you know, you can become the same height. And then in university, you know, we were we were practically um, mistaken for each other. And mm -hmm. and we still, we, you know, we go we go home to Victoria and I, I, I noticed that like some of the kids that don't see us all the time, like our, our, our cousin's children, they have to just kind of just regroup for a second. Like who's mm -hmm. who? <laughs> well, uh, for many years after, we graduated from high school. If you visit a local store, like Julie said, Victoria's not so big, so you go to a store, and if we ran into old high school friends, people would almost always call me Julie, and they'd say, hi, Julie, how's it going? <laughs> you just Do you ever pretend you are Julie? Do you ever just continue the conversation? So sometimes it was easier. If I knew it was just going to be in passing, it was just like I'd have to stop and explain and... <laughs> it's easier to say bye and keep on going. <laughs> I told Harrison that you used to work in New York at Monday Night Magic for the guys. Oh, yeah. doing and so she would often meet a lot of my friends. And, that, that's and true. Once we, yeah, there were times where we we got mistaken for each other. I, I got mistaken for you for there too. Yeah. The best one was Pat Page. I had spent a huge amount of time with him. I had met him first at Factors with my dad, and then we <laughs> cameo. We're always getting photo bombed. It's the Ing sisters. <laughs> and Pat, um, Pat Page had spent a ton of time with us here in Toronto. For you know, he he had a stopover and he was doing a lecture. I just spent a, a huge amount of time with him. He goes to New York like the next day, and he's walking by oh, Sandra yeah. in the change, like in the hallway of the change room. He just like. He stopped, walked backwards, like. <laughs> <laughs> Sandra texted me that one. That was a good one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Sandra, was there a moment that you knew? I guess there are two moments. Was there a moment that you knew Julie was going to be a magician full time? And was there a moment where you knew she was going to be a, a huge success at it? Mm, 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 that, it, no. no. There were no particular, like, aha moments because. Um, it was just always in our life. And so when she started doing it and was getting lots and lots of shows and this became a regular thing, it just was, it was a given that she's just going to do this all the time, just like dad did. Um, and then I guess maybe, I think after you moved to Toronto, I think it, there was a realization that this was going to be something that's really in your life. And then just fulfilling all of these other um, uh, we're achieving all the accomplish, uh, accomplishments that you have. It just, it was a, you know, like, oh, she's 
on the cover of another magazine. It's <laughs> 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 a big deal. <laughs> I, 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 it's so funny. I've been writing a few more stories recently for various, you know, stories. And I was really having fun with the linking ring one, the outs, the one that I'd mentioned. So I run these things by my sister. And it's so funny to me at what she remembers and doesn't remember from certain parts of our childhood. Like, mm -hmm. And I remember it with Johnny. Yeah. A little so bit differently too. Yeah. 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 But it's, that's, you know, that's where we're really lucky, even though we're, we do spend a great deal of time uh, physically apart. We, we text each other all day long. But um, when, I, when I can hang out with my, my family, it's just like no time has passed. Like it's mm -hmm. just like it was yesterday. And it's really cool that we still have that dynamic. My mom lives in Victoria, even further away, but uh, it's still a very cool dynamic that we, we have. And it's, it's nice. Well, I, 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 we have uh, so much more to cover, um, but Sandra, thank you so, so much for joining us. Any last things you want to tell us about your sister, either positive or negative? <laughs> uh, uh, Julie truly is the one who can hold the liquor. She's had to hold my hair back too many times. But, uh, no, no, I mean, she's, I can neither confirm she's or the ultimate big sister and always has been, always will be. You know, there's not much age between us, but she's, my my mentor my guidance my you know uh source of calm yeah and she, she also shares the experience of my nephew um very generously she and her husband thomas share the experience of dax growing up enormously with me like i get to be the sibling with him and oh yeah she's favorite auntie for sure she is like <laughs> my favorite person in the whole world but yeah, it's I really get the impression that Julie break some of the rules that you set for her. Oh, for sure. He comes after a conversation with her, he'll come back with some saucy, sassy comments. <laughs> he was not even two, and I got WTF going. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I got into so much trouble. I got into so much trouble. <laughs> well, Sandra, thank you so much for joining us. I thank really, really, really appreciate it. It's so nice to meet you. Thanks, Sandy. Okay, talk to you later. I'll text you after. Uh, and now, I think that was a good segue. We alluded to it. You went from Vancouver to Toronto. Victoria, yeah. 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 Uh, so walk us through that, because I, I believe you met David Ben, and uh, also David Ben's assistant at the time, who I think, uh, spoiler alert, <laughs> is going to figure very prominently in your life as well. <laughs> yes. Um, we, uh, my father had a, a friendship with David, so that became a really easy springboard for me. Oh, I'm going to Toronto. And uh, dad says, oh, you got to say hello to my friend. Now, I was only visiting a friend and I came home with like a, a three month contract offer. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, that was unexpected. And I took it and it was a big deal to me because it was a pivotal moment. Um, my father had a very well established network in Victoria. We were doing a lot of shows together separately. I mean, I, I would sit at the shop and, and my, 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 my Rolodex was, was the store, right? like everything to happen through the store. And, and it was great. Also too, I should add that you'd already uh, won a bunch of awards. You had, had won a close up, a second place in close up, first place in stage. Um, so you you were coming into Toronto already pretty accomplished. I I felt like I I mean I felt like I had some accomplishments, and then but Toronto was different. You know, I really had to uh, carve myself out in a new. That's that's my <laughs> Western Regional IBM um, first place. And the world's tallest uppercut. <laughs> Billy McComb. That was such a was such a great. Yeah, I don't. Please don't ask it what happened with the green coat. It was just like the thing. <laughs> 
So you so you come back with a three month contract. Yes, uh, and, and I it was so all the way out to Toronto. It's not close to where you grew up. Um, no, it was scary, and it was a totally different gig. It wasn't um, what I expected, and but that's exactly what my father. I, I, I consulted with him. I said, you know, what do I do? Because I it was Christmas time. This is like your bread and butter season, and I would do like eight shows in a weekend in in Victoria. Like it was just that's the way it was designed. You could just zip around and do multiple shows, et cetera, et cetera. Toronto's not like that at all. And um, I didn't know what kind of money I would be making and, you know, except that those worries went with it. But my father, I remember this so clearly. He says, you know what? I can't teach anymore. You know, you should go. <laughs> I'm like, what? And it's like I was getting kicked out of the nest. And it was a very scary feeling because I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I didn't, I didn't, couldn't comprehend that. But I took his advice. I went and I, I didn't actually perform on David's show. It, uh, he was running a show at the time called The Conjure. It was a remount of um, a, a, a 1909 theatrical play that, about a magician. And it was here in Toronto and it was written by David and his uh, writing partner, Patrick Watson, and Patrick directed it. And I was to play a very, very small part of the audience member coming to join him on stage before the Azra. So I got the gig because of my size. <laughs> yeah, that's so <laughs> And um, that's where the adventure began. So I was asked to be a part of the show. And so I had to learn, you can't just do the Azure part. You know, I was, oh, I'm, I'm in magic. And David knew my father. And so we started learning from, I started learning backstage uh, stage management and just working in theater and getting that experience, which I've never had before. I then worked with the production company that produced the show with um, with uh, David's uh, business partners. And so I learned way more about production management, company management. We toured the show. And when we toured the show, that's when basically, so David has had an assistant called Suli Manfata. And I was to be fetched from the airport uh, in Toronto by this assistant. And I'm this is all by email to David. I said, okay, that's great. And, he's, and I said, so... How, how, how do I know what he looks like? How will I, I don't know who, who this guy is. He goes, oh, you can't miss him. He looks like a terrorist. <laughs> and I'm like, that's my email. <laughs> I get on a plane from Vancouver. I had to go to Vancouver to fly to Toronto. The plane has a problem. So there's a massive delay. We had to land in Saskatchewan or Manitoba somewhere. It could be due to the fact that somebody emailed and said there was a terrorist. I'm like, this is all that's going to my head. <laughs> and I'm like, what are the odds? So in the meanwhile, David tells Suli, hey, you know, I got Julie coming. Do you think you should go? And he goes, well, what is she like? A oh, little girl, Chinese little girl. You can't miss her. And they're like, playing from Vancouver. There was a lot of Chinese people going to Toronto and a lot of people from <laughs> Toronto going, like a lot of Chinese people. So we ended up finding each other and I was so worried because I was two hours late. Like, would he even be there? Like, I felt so bad. And I'm thinking, what does a terrorist look like? Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how I met Suli. And uh, Suli turns out- Suli, by the way, is the photo bomber from this previous He's product. the photo bomber. <laughs> We're curious who that, that man was. That is Suli. He is a he was a very uh, pivotal uh, character in David's show. He was the silent and a mysterious figure. That's his billing, <laughs> and he's a mysterious figure even unto the conjurer. So he he did everything, and he had the um, like almost like a Chung Ling Su style costume, and he was made. The character was designed to be almost like an automaton. So at the start of the show, when the lights went up, he came alive, and then when the show goes down, 
he sort of winds down. And that was his sort of character. And he loved it. He thought it was hilarious because he didn't speak. And he had to do this crazy makeup, very, you know, <laughs> altering, uh, you know, almost like a white porcelain doll. Like he looked like a doll. He looked like a mannequin. And uh, and it was very funny because, you know, I'd be sitting there putting on my makeup for the show. Sue would be sitting there putting on his makeup for the show. <laughs> <laughs> I heard as, as serious as that, that character is, I heard uh, during rehearsal, uh, the director had asked him to whisper a word into your ear to get you into a hypnotic trance. And that might've been uh, the beginning of Sparks. Can you tell us what that, that word was? <laughs> what it was supposed to be? Well, it, so yeah, like Patrick was all about direction. We were practicing in David's living room and and I'm supposed to be all sedate and somnambulistic. I'm like, what does somnambulistic mean? Like, I don't know. <laughs> So, so he's supposed to, you know, do all this thing and he's going to calm the client down and the subject down. So he leans over and I'm like, okay, I don't know this guy at all. He leans over and he whispers in my ear, he goes, Peking duck. <laughs> I cracked Because <laughs> he was hungry. <laughs> we wanted to come on. <laughs> and then, for, you know, obviously from there on in, it was, it was um, love at first sight. So we ended up getting uh, married a year later. And for 19 years, we were married. And I heard too that you, um, so, so you you went on tour for a month all over Canada with The Conjurer. You finally get a vacation. You jump on a plane to Europe and he proposes on the plane. Is there a reason he didn't wait till you landed in any of the beautiful places you were going? Uh, that is a secret Suli has taken with him. Um, I think he wanted to be, he wanted, he wanted it to be like the most, I'm a little jaded when it comes to surprises and he, he, <laughs> He wanted the ultimate. And I'm like, and I, I thought back about it afterwards. I don't think he even asked me. I think it was just an assumption that I would say yes. <laughs> he just goes here. <laughs> it, was, it was like his form. It wasn't so far away. It was his form of doing this magic trick. I had come off a gig, an eight-hour gig. I'd lost my voice. I did this close-up thing for eight hours at a trade show. Oh, so you couldn't have said yes even if you wanted to. <laughs> That's why he, that's why he chose that moment. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so it was it was a very joyful thing. We were on our way to Paris. Yeah, it was exactly that. After a long tour, uh, we <laughs> cobbled together enough money for two plane tickets and and we fly off to Europe and we went through Paris, we went to Geneva, we went through uh Germany, you know, just you know, Suli traveled like this. He goes, um, we'll go, we're going to go see a friend in, in, in Essen. I'm like, okay. He goes, we're going to hire a car in France. Okay. <laughs> I didn't think much about this. I said, well, so where's the map? He goes, well, I didn't want to tell him that we're taking the car from France to Germany. So we're going to use this rail map. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and we're following city to city from the top of France, Lille, all to Essen. It was ridiculous. <laughs> But we had a great adventure. So that's that's that was his creative is his creative spirit. So it's uh, it was it was quite something. <laughs> that's amazing. And also, I love too that so you met David. Uh, not only did you guys uh, work together on the Conjure and continue to work together to this day, uh, but you guys also did Magicana, which I found out has nothing to do with Tropicana. It's a combination <laughs> of magic and Canada. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what that is and how that came about? Magicana is one of my my great passions. Uh, Magicana is, a, as you mentioned at the top of the show, an arts organization here based here in Canada. And the whole purpose is to explore 
and advance the study of magic. So we want to advance that idea of magic and elevate its 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 view in the public's eye. So we'll do uh, publications. We do outreach programs that you also mentioned, like the My Magic Hands program and this year sorcery program. We do books on magic, and that's been so much fun for me because I've learned way more about publishing and and producing these kinds of books so anywhere from like our magical so it's just a, a quarterly magazine which has actually become every other year <laughs> not very good with that deadline and um to those who wait <laughs> <laughs> right so then we do um also exhibitions like online exhibitions and that was fun because then i had to learn how to how to put these you know materials together and hey let's put this you know let's share some information one of our big, big favorite ones is the screening room. That's a new development. And that is sharing uh, videos on our website. If you go to magichand.com and click on the screening room, actually, you click on video, you'll get a chance to see hundreds of hours of, of magic that we've collected from various collections. David has acquired quite a few collections. So we have this wonderful one called the Magic Palace. And it's Dale Harney back in the set. I guess in the 80s, in and around the 80s, he got magicians to come on up to his studio in Edmonton and he would produce these weekly shows. And we would get up every Saturday morning and watch this. And everyone, of course, what do you do? You tape it. So there were varying degrees of these tapes, but the broadcast version of those tapes were destroyed. They never kept archival copies of them. So one of the cool things that this medium in this day and age has brought to us is this ability to share it digitally. And we found in David's collection a huge run of the the Magic, uh, the Magic Palace ones. And our friend Larry Thornton in Calgary also had almost a pristine set. So he he shipped it uh, out to us. We recorded them. And we were, I was working with another colleague, James Allen. He spent the time to trim these things, add them, augment them. And why the screening room is so great is because it's got a lot of metadata that you can use to search uh, by trick, by performer, by era, by show. Uh, so it gives you kind of a neat way of using it as a resource. Or you can just sit back and let it all come to you. <laughs> well, I, I, I love your description, but you know what? We might as well bring him on as well. I know uh, how you feel about surprises, but here is David Ben himself. Hello, oh, Jewel. Yeah, I know you get Sandra, you get Dax. Do you think I'm going to think you're not going to call this guy? <laughs> <laughs> and how are those beautiful earrings? Do they tarnish? <laughs> this is from a gift from 31 Faces North for organizing. I got this beautiful gift from David and Alan. So there is special 31 faces north earrings <laughs> they're amazing uh, and david can you take us back a little bit when you met julie did you did you know immediately this is going to be somebody i was going to work with for for decades or was it something that you realized over time uh has it been decades <laughs> <laughs> i mean a couple of years it's very recent very you know, recent. You know at the time it was julie was right uh you know, I knew her dad. I was a huge fan of Tony. He was one of the great performers that I've met, one of the great bar magicians. He just had such life energy that could just fill a room. And no big surprise, Julie has inherited that in spades. And uh, so uh, when she came out, it was to fill that role in the Azra. Size was an issue. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> She was great. We Julie knows this that Patrick Watson just happened to drive by when we sort of met and did the go over to say yeah, I think she'd be perfect. And then Julie actually lived with my family for a period of time when she first got you know, yeah. you know, settled here. 
until she sort of seduced Suli and uh, <laughs> somehow, you know, that was, you know, happened. And it was kind of funny because we had a, a, a guy in the show who we used to saw in half, Ken, well, to say Ken, uh, and he uh, was a bit of a, a ladies' man. And um, uh, I I felt some responsibility to Tony and, and to Julie. And I said to Ken, when, before Julie arrived from the airport, I, I as the sort of performer producer of the show, I wasn't sure how to handle this back then. This is in you know the '90s, so I just said, "I'll just say it to him outright. I'll say, Ken, you can sleep with anybody you like, just don't touch Julia." Right? And uh, I didn't think I had to say that to Suli like, <laughs> in a million years. That be, and then all of a sudden we're on tour, and they want to you know pool their per diems, and next thing you know, they're sharing rooms on the road. We're saving money. We're saving money. <laughs> and the crew is going like, what's going on here? Like, that's the next thing you know, it's the- uh, Julie had a broken sink. Julie knew how to fix it. Yeah, yes, you know, now it makes sense. Because <laughs> he's saying, yeah, he couldn't have fixed anything. Um, nor could I, but uh, the, uh, Julie, Julie could. And uh, yeah, and it was funny with the Azra because we presented it sort of differently. The, we had um, the, the the sense was that we have this person from this from the audience, and but my secret reasoning was anybody who walks on from the wings is part of the show, character versus actually coming up for the audience. So Julie came in, went into the somnambulistic state, uh, <laughs> and um, when she would vanish with the Azra, um, two things we're proud of: we had the table on the stage from all through the show. And after uh, she went up in the air, we left the table on the stage because uh, we never brought her back, right? <laughs> we made this person in the audience just sort of disappear, and then there would be this hush, and I'd say, don't be alarmed. She is at peace. <laughs> and that was it. And then when people would leave the venue, Julie would be behind the merchandise counter selling our swag, and I was hoping people would say, wasn't that the girl who was on there? And they would go to the merchandise counter to buy merchandise. It's the, the number one question. Hey. I heard uh, a little burn by a little bird, uh, the article that I read, um, but that thanks to Julie's experience with her dad's shop, she sold quite a bit of merchandise. She was very good. Yeah, no, Julie, Julie takes great pride and it's true. She says, I can sell anything. <laughs> You can fire me tomorrow and I can get a job anywhere because I can sell anything. How many times have I heard that? Like I can sell anything. Yeah. But I just want to harken back to it was great to see Sandra and Joy together because they, they're very mischievous, both of them. <laughs> and I believe that that story. Uh, well, here's one story. So uh Julie and I through Magicana hosted uh, uh, some magic collectors conventions, the uh, Magic Collectors Weekend in, in Chicago. And no disrespect to our audience, because I'm one of them, old white guys. Um, the uh, We had Sandra and Julie working the registration desk, but the two of them every once in a while would just switch their outfits because they could wear <laughs> each other's clothes, right? And uh, I think the guys were just doing, like, you know, double takes and, like, what's going on? Like, they, there was some confusion there, and that's because they would do little mind games like that. <laughs> I, I try, I try to keep it alive. Yes. But when we started Magic Hanna and, uh, you know, we, I was able to get some funding to develop the My Magic Hands program. It was really Julie's plan of the seed by a program that she did 
at a, at a youth center in Toronto. And I kind of said in my typical bombastic way, what you got to think bigger than that. We can go bigger than that. And, um, so it really helped me to take it way outside a one day event. And we made it into this at the time, an eight week session, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then, um, so that was, just, you know, really the start of that. And there were two other people involved, Bill Abbott, who's well known in the magic community and David Peck. And then, uh, eventually, you know, you have to make decisions and Julie just as, as the course of her career just has so much talent and drive and, um, and ability and, and cross fields that she just became, she ran, you know, just took over that sort of program. And she just ended up taking over more and more because I don't, there's nothing you could delegate to her that she could not do and she could not improve. And, and so, um, the organization grew in lockstep with her ability to accept uh, I'm more of an idea guy than an implementation guy. And, and so and uh, Julie can, uh, can, can do both. So uh, we've grown as an organization because it just seemed like good ideas at the time. And the senior sorcery came up because it was a, a great Canadian performer named Tom Niebong, great actor, comedian, who used to do senior shows for captive seniors immobile seniors who couldn't get out and he would just work on new material and things like that. But he did a, a, a circuit. It was called smile theater. I said, we could do that. I mean, it's so uh, we, I arranged with smile and we put Julie and Sully on the road. I think he did a month of, we did 30. Yeah. We did 30 shows in 31 days and we yeah. went all across this little area of Ontario. It just run out, but we got to go to these really fantastic senior homes and they were so appreciative of the idea that we would come, we'd set up the show, set up the backdrop, get the music. Yeah. <laughs> I had all these little vignettes, you know, I'm wearing a, a Chinese sort of styled vignette cause it was so story time. <laughs> and so I did the linking ring. It was really helpful to Julie was Suli, because even though Julie had lots of experience, uh, Suli was used to dealing with a prima donna, and we've done a lot of work on the road. So there was nothing that would phase Suli. And Suli and I I would do runouts, which is a term, but her runouts were in Toronto, and I would do runouts with Suli where we, there was a resort circuit when I was starting out north of Toronto, cottage country. And we would do a different resort every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for 10 weeks. And on occasion, I would like, I got the logistics wrong. So I thought a resort is 30 minutes away. I got the name wrong and it's three hours away on a different time, you know, point. And uh, Sully would just run with it. Once we we're doing a show in Blind River, we took the, the show because Blind River figures prominently in a Neil Young song that I love. <laughs> so it's way up there. And we meet a guy who went up, Peter Loss from, uh, moved to Australia and was really sort of became part of an Aboriginal society, represented First Nations Aboriginal artists. And so he was sort of operated on Aboriginal time, dream time. And, um, <laughs> uh, and so he says, I'll take a look at, um, accommodation for us up in Blind River because it's my old hometown. So it's got so Sue and I are driving up and we're, you know, it's a long way. And, and I think we drove 10 hours. So, and we say, yeah, so where are we staying? Is right, we're rolling in at midnight. I just thought I'd knock on somebody's door when we arrived. So, and so we couldn't find any. So Sue and I are sharing a bed together in parkas and a motel with a waterfall going to freezing, you know, cold. So we had dealt with all that. So he, she was in great, Great hands. Thanks for sending him along. (laughs) 
so anyway, but that's, you know, Magic Can, and, and it's developed all of those things. And when I started working on this Herb Zero book, Julie's always been a great photographer. She has a great eye for imagery, for composition. I think that's one of her great strengths is composition of images. And so um, I had an idea for the Zero book. I wanted the photographs to look like stars of magic-ish. And so I asked her and she did her first book really major photographs was I think the Zero book. And we loved Herb. I mean, Herb, you know, we thought we'd be writing three, 30 tricks or something and it ended up being like a three-year project that just about killed us. But what, what makes Julie such a great um, photographer aside from her sense of composition is the same thing that makes her just great on stage, at least for my illusions, uh, is that she can fold herself in any which way you could possibly imagine. And when we're doing these photo shoots, and I'm sure others will agree that she's done it, she'll just dangle upside down here to get a camera <laughs> like this, to get this angle here like this. And I imagine it's the same with, you know, um, you know, it is because I've seen the bruises uh, from all, all the boxes. Uh, that's for there's, sure. There's, this is one of my big pride and joys along working with David is this project for Johnny Thompson, the Johnny Thompson book. And Johnny <laughs> was through and through a trooper because we would go, we once went 18 hours. It was just madness. Because of, because of, because of. Without repeating a trick. No. We <laughs> <laughs> on like Vegas time and we had to take a break and Johnny had to do something else. And we, so we'd start sometimes at midnight. <laughs> it was nuts. I got to um, interject before I forget. Suli finding Johnny's toupee to uh, tape in Toronto. <laughs> Can we say this? <laughs> that's that's right. That sounds amazing. You know, Suli just got every gig. Like Johnny needs a special type of tape for the toupee and you know you can he only do a show for one of our magic counter productions Bob. Right. and it, and he's you know, he's headlining it so it's like and he's he he has done the show a million times he comes across the border and so they didn't want to take things. and he didn't want to bring his toupee tape <laughs> i don't know why but he has julie it's got to be this brand. It has to be from this company. I'm all over the internet trying to buy. I said, I found it, Johnny. It's okay. I got it. It's up, up, up in the north end of the north end, but it is still in Toronto. We put Sully in rush hour traffic. Oh, no. <laughs> Remember he found the frog? Uh, it was uh, for, you know, the, like, anyway. The tangent, I just wanted Johnny Thompson toupee tape. But anyway, <laughs> to get did you get toupee tape? It's, that was Sully's gig and specialty. So. I also hear there's a great story uh, involving uh, Steve Forday and Julie's uh, incredible riffle work. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't know, where Julie, are you? you have to tell the story. I can only tell it how I've heard it and embellish it. So <laughs> your call. Well, what did you hear? Um... <laughs> We won't go there. <laughs> no, this uh, at Thirty One Faces North, we were very fortunate to. Uh, uh, it was primarily Jason to get you know Steve Forty to come up, and Thirty One was, was a really special outing. Uh, it was literally inspired by Howard Lyons and uh, and the events that he ran that Alan Slate and I attended you know decades ago. And the idea was just to invite people that you'd like to have and drink and socialize with. And uh, you put them in a room long enough together. We would schedule some events, but when asked 
when people would ask Julia or I, what should we prepare? We usually said whatever you think would be of interest to the room. And, and that's kind of throws down the gauntlet to like, Oh my God, they know who's going to be there. So they have to figure something out. So, uh, Steve came up one and then we found, we heard that Steve, you know, was pretty tight lipped, but, uh, if he had was a Zambuca on the table, we could, so like Julie kept pouring a glass of the Zambuca. I've been the real work. <laughs> the real work and one anecdote there, these things would go all night and we originally held outside a building that I had an interest in and there were these picnic tables there. And it's like three in the morning and I was smoking cigars and Julie smoking cigars and uh, drinking scotch and they're all around Steve and it's like, uh, a picture of the Last Supper, you know, you got Steve there in the center, and you have all these apostles just hanging on everything. And, and um, Julie, being the photographer that she is, climbs up on this sort of post area to get a good vantage point. And it's so late, she takes the photograph, and the flash goes off. And as soon as the flash goes off, Steve goes like this, like like the police game. It was just like busted in a game. It was just like a natural reaction. <laughs> And everybody was like, oh, and then they sort of laughed. But um, <laughs> Steve um, goes out. It was big social time. So you'd have things in the morning. We'd, we, it was a great convention because we didn't start until like 10, 30, 11 in the morning because you're up all night. What's the point, right? <laughs> so, uh, they go to lunch and Steve is there with his, you know. We uh, went to a really beautiful restaurant David had set up for us because we wanted to, to, to treat Steve as well. And, and you know, there was a big group. So we went to this wonderful restaurant David set up for us in, uh, to go to. So he couldn't go, but we, we, we brought, we brought uh, Steve along. And Eric Mead is sitting beside me. And he just keeps trying to get those cards in front of Steve's hand. <laughs> <laughs> he just keeps shoving them in front of Steve. Steve keeps pushing them aside. <laughs> So finally, at the end, I, I think David had talked to Steve earlier in the day. And that's how it all started. They were trading moves and trading work. But uh, I would, I got it into this, you know, I, I'm hanging out with these guys. So I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And oh, and I'm listening. I'm like, oh, okay. So, oh, I looks like, oh, that's how it works. Okay, cool. So David had taught me this really interesting move and I was practicing it. And, uh, and that surprised me because I'm sitting there innocently beside Eric and then all of a sudden, Steve leans over and he goes, hey, I hear you can do this this thing. I'm like, I've been working on it. And he goes, <laughs> you're the bravado there. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm tough. Like, I, I can I've been working on it. Because he's just pushed all these decks of cards out of his way. And he goes, can someone just send a, set a, send a deck? And then <laughs> all these cards come flying from the other end of the table down. And he goes, also, let's, let me see how you do it. He was very gentle with me, super sweet, really. And so I, 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 I had been just practicing, so it was still kind of, you know, I'm still. It's a very difficult move. It's Dad <laughs> Stevens' riffle work for those into this sort of thing. It's very hard. So, yeah, Julie's playing this off like this is just some like Elm's account. This very is hard. <laughs> so. I was very pleased when it. I was able to execute it. It was and it was neat and tidy. I was so happy with myself for getting that done nicely. And Steve caught me completely off guard, but it was the guys around me <laughs> that really surprised me. That made me laugh. Steve was great. He just kind of carried on. But Steve said later, you know, seeing Julie doing this work, it made me feel like we should go on the road as a team. <laughs> she was the perfect profile as the assistant. And I said to Julie, tell whisper in Steve's ear that you can also cut to the crimp. 
But one of my other, you know, favorite. Maybe Julie can tell this story. We've we've had a. Well, Julie, I hear you have a very special ringtone for David. That when David calls, your phone does something. What does your phone do when David calls? Well, we're not going to put that on because it's super embarrassing. <laughs> I don't know if you have it anymore, but David, uh, I'll tell you, Julie can no, no, tell the story because I just sort of set it up. But it's one of my favorite. We've had many, you know. We, it's been a lot of adventures here. Oh, hey, my dear, we've we've covered a lot of ground. So uh, we're in New York uh, oh for the 100th anniversary SAM show. And it has to be the longest show on history. And we are <laughs> second on the bill, third behind Caveney. And second on the bill. We're behind Caveney. The, the show runtime is over five hours. Over <laughs> the two days. Well, it's not a full because show. Several performers are showing English instead of doing right. 15 minutes, decided to do 45 minutes each. <laughs> and I'm doing at the time with Julie Vernon's Symphony of the Rings, <coughs> excuse me, as a homage to Vernon with uh, the gown and the mask, which is a whole other story. Um, but, uh, and we're there at the beginning, and this is going on. So we do it, and ours is, I don't know, what, four minutes or something like this. And we're there, and we weren't talking about the rehearsals and that story. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, so we're there, and then we go sit in the audience at the back of the theater. Yeah, and you went up to the top. We went up to the top. Like that went up to the top because I always love as a somewhat of a producer. For I love standing always at the back of theaters because you get to see the show, but you also get to see how the audience reacts. So you get to be in the show, like to experience it, but you can also step out of it to see how is this actually registering with an audience. So if you actually really want to get a sense of that when you're watching other performers. The back is a good place to be. It also means you can get out faster too. Which is, <laughs> you got, got that call coming up. But um, so we're at the back and we're sitting with uh, Ricky Smith, dear Ricky, who we love. And Caven, uh, uh, there, Bill Kalouche. Uh, I forget who else, Sandra, I think was there. Wasn't Sandra there? Right? And uh, this is going on and on and on and on and on. And I said to Julie, you know, Vernon, when he's doing the Harlequin act at one time, actually, Murdered. He, he has a regular job and he can't do it. So he has Sam Horowitz perform in his stead with the, with the gown and mask. And he, when Hardeen comes to the theater afterwards with some agents and they go into the dressing room and Vernon's making it look like he's getting out of his clothes, but he was never actually on stage. And when Hardeen comes backstage, he sees Horowitz there and says, Vernon shouldn't hang out with these amateurs. What, you know, get him out of here you know, like this. So I said, well, we should do that. I, I don't want to do the curtain call. I say, Ricky, you're about my size. <laughs> Why don't you put on my costume? Julie will take you backstage, and you two can do the curtain call. <laughs> so Caveney says, this is a great idea. You know, all of a sudden it becomes interesting for Mike because it's five hours in and we have to hang out for five hours. To do Mike Caveney was all over it. He I was not backstage, so you take it from there. <laughs> oh. I don't think Ricky had much to say in the matter, so I just grab his hand. Mike is leading the charge. I'll and give I'm my backstage pass. <laughs> we march back there. Here, put this on. So Ricky's wearing this. He's wearing a suit, but he's wearing this huge robe on top of him. And, and he's carrying, you know, the... the I, and actually, that was it. He didn't even bring the mask out. So Caveney goes, okay, this is how it's going to go down. I'm going to go on. I'm going to do my bow. I'll turn it to you. Julie's going to come up and she'll tell you exactly where to stand. Got it? And he doesn't move. Ricky doesn't breathe at this point. <laughs> but we have to queue up to do this. So the Pendragons are, are performing. They're doing this 
the their legendary uh, substitution trunk. So it's very dramatic, and there's a lot of you know movement going on. So we're we're queuing up quietly on the side of the stage, and Eric the Camp says, "Oh, Julie, hey, how's it going?" He leans over, he thinks he's going to say hi to David, and he looks at Ruby, <laughs> and he goes, "Wait a second. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, look at that! Look at that, Charlotte's." Uh, <laughs> I'll jump in. So I said the one thing to Ricky is that in my own little stage bows, I took Nate Leipzig's advice. Uh, apparently, when he would say, "You just walk out on stage, bow your head, and try to look humble." <laughs> that was basically the advice. So I showed Ricky how we sort of do that. So Caveney. So I'm back in the theater. People are saying, "Well, shouldn't you be like back there?" And I said, "No, no, no." It's fine. And uh, Ricky comes out and he. No, it, I came out first. I came, came out first. first. But in the audience is what? About 800 people, maybe? A thousand? Yeah. And, 400 at that point. Yeah, 400 at that point. <laughs> um, and, and Ricky had not been on a stage that large and with all those lights and like everything else. And so instead of coming out and, you know, bowing his head, looking humble, he does. He comes back out. People are applauding. You know, David, Ben, and Julie. And Ricky goes, his. That's not David Ben, you know, like this. So, uh, and then Ricky goes back and he's caught in the middle of a fight. Yeah, we'll have to say that for another story. Okay, so that's, uh, <laughs> that's amazing, David. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing all these stories. If you'd like to follow David Ben, go to davidben.com. Uh, you could also check out Magicana. Uh, and the screening room, which just clicked video, some really great stuff. David, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate Listen, it. You know, I can't, Julie knows. And when you wrote to me about participating for this, I am somewhat of a recluse. I said, I, I would never do this, but I would do anything for this. For this <laughs> thank so. you, David. <laughs> thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. And we mentioned uh, Steve Forte, who's a, a great, uh, one of the best uh, gambling uh, move person. Uh, but there's some other people who are also legendary in that field. Uh, and uh, there's a picture we had over here. Uh, where Where is this, by the way? This is this is in Las Vegas at Stan Allen's boardroom in his in his magazine uh, at uh, Magic his Magic headquarters. So we <laughs> he kindly gave us the keys and the alarm code to just lock up at the end of the night. Nice. <laughs> and and it was great. We we spent many hours there. Too. Uh, we did the shoot in several different uh, segments and a few times at Jason's house, but we needed some more room and some more neutral space. And and Stan very kindly offered us his space. Yeah, and I think also you worked with Jason on Larry Jennings' book as well, right? He's one of those guys I had to crawl all over. <laughs> oh, well, you know what? Let's ask him. Uh, he's here with us right now. Jason England, the man has been crawled over. How are, you, how are you doing, Jason? Thanks so much for uh, for your patience and for sticking around. It's a oh, beautiful. You should never. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? This is like the best brother in the world. <laughs> he takes uh, care of everything. <laughs> yeah, these are these. Yep. <laughs> Jason we're, England we're, is if like. We're gonna get through all 31. We need to speed <laughs> things up, Harrison. Right, right. I plan on making this as long as the SAM 100 show. That's right. Um, I'm, I'm doing great. I've been, I've been here since, uh, the very beginning, uh, watching you tell stories and screen capturing all of those pictures of you as a little girl. Um, <laughs> those, uh, 
Those are going right into my vault in case I ever need them. I um, thought they might. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, big brother. Yeah, and uh, I'm just I'm just having a blast uh, listening to, to to you guys talk, and um, I'm also uh, kind of envious of the people that are watching this that are hearing some of these stories for the first time that I'm either familiar with or have heard you tell before. They're just really, really uh, great stories. And uh, Harrison, you're doing a, a fantastic job with this young lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hear you and your wife uh, have a, you, you rescue a certain, I, I don't want to tip it too much, but I hear there's a, a, somebody in your family that, uh, there's some people in your family that are very important that Julie uh, particularly enjoys. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> very much. My wife and I uh, rescue golden retrievers. Um, we uh, we've been doing it for years, and we have um, uh, for the last time Julie was here, we had three dogs, and we now have four uh, because we've rescued a new little girl who's over here in the corner trying to get out of this room. But I wanted Julie to see her. Let me see. <laughs> Daffy. Her name is Daffy. Oh, look oh at her. Oh, there she is. I can't wait to see who. Hello. So this little girl came into our house as a foster, um, and we just absolutely fell in love with her, and so she has decided to keep us forever. <laughs> I get to see you guys soon. I hope I I can't wait to see Jason's dogs are just the best. They they, they all I can ride them like ponies though. They're very very big dogs. Yeah, they're big. She's uh, uh she's a great little girl. Uh Harrison, uh check your email because uh I don't know if you can uh put photos up and stuff like that, but in a minute we can uh we can show a picture I sent you. Absolutely. Um <laughs> Jason in England is is also privy to a lot of strange moments in my life. So, um, yeah. <laughs> well, I was, was going to say, uh, I was sitting here uh, listening to some of these stories, going, "Oh, wouldn't it be great?" Oh no, we can't tell that one. Um, <laughs> oh, they would enjoy the. Oh wait, we can't tell that one either. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I see that the picture now. Oh, this is great. I think this is you and and Julie together. This is great. Yeah. Yeah, so Julie's uh, has danced the tango for years, and, and one time up at 31, we actually danced the tango together, and you can put the picture. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes. Great job, you know. So, uh, I've changed it's uncanny. Life. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, really, really amazing. Jason was the go-to guy for that Johnny Thompson shoot. He made it possible because we did it in Las Vegas and Jason made everything happen. And Jason was also there when everything happened. <laughs> <laughs> so he knows all the intimate details. <laughs> so speak, speaking of that, Julie, um, I have a photo that uh, unfortunately um, – for reasons that will go unexplained, can't be put on the screen. But I just sent it to your phone because uh, I didn't know. I know that. which one you sent. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he's seen everything. Yeah. <laughs> for those who uh, haven't seen the photo, what, can you give a a uh, clean description? Sure. I, 
I think we can <laughs> we can describe the picture. I just don't want it out in the wild. Sure. So um, at at one of the Johnny Thompson photo shoots, of which there were three, I think. Four. One, did one at, a big one at my house, and then we did one at the Magic Magazine offices, and then we actually did one at Magic Live like the day or two before the convention yes. really got going while they were doing the setup. Yes. The setting up for live takes days. Well, it takes days in the hotel. It takes, you know, weeks and months. And gave us a room to work because I was coming down for that. And we went back to your house again. Oh, we that's to, right. We, yeah. went to, we went back to Stan's again because we had the little bird. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. So um, at, at one of the photo sessions at uh, the Magic Live offices, um, but it went my, very job late. Was, my job was kind of just logistics. You know, I would, uh, I provided the lighting equipment and, uh, you know, just sort of coordinating with Julie. All right. What time is Johnny going to arrive? Uh, what things will he have forgotten at his house? And we'll have to send <laughs> someone back for a tape every time yeah, who goes <laughs> coffee and all of that. So, once we were rolling and shooting photos, that's all Julie Ng. You know, she's running the show at that point, but she might look over at me and say, hey, you know, grab some gaffer's tape or, hey, uh, go get us coffee or whatever. And that that was really my role. So at one point, um, I happened to look over at Johnny in between um, sets of photos where he was taking the suit off that you see there <laughs> and he was putting on the tuxedo for the great Tony like and I look over and he's talking and he's not wearing any pants <laughs> he's just wearing a shirt but he's talking like you know he walks around with no pants on all the time so that would end up being a preview for 2020 because I think most magicians now are performing without right. pants so immediately I start taking photos and um, and I got a good one of Johnny wearing no pants, and it's hilarious. Um, and I'd be happy to show it to anybody if you see me out in the world. Someday, but I'm not going to put it online out of deference to the great Tom Sony. Oh, he was. So, it was. It was a riot. You know, do, Johnny was. I had to. These guys, Paul, our Paul Harris would uh, uh, would come in and help, and. Um, Paul Wilson, what am I saying here? Swear. So Paul Wilson would come and help. And these guys would just, they, they're getting into stories with Johnny. And, oh, I remember this. And, oh, you know how this move happened? Do you know who I showed this to? And he would, Johnny, I'm like, Johnny, 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 we got to do the shoot. Right. <laughs> he was like, Julie, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, and Johnny had a, a terrible back problem. Like it was, it was, it gone on for years and years and years. And it was very, very painful for him to sit too long. So Jason was really great. He had different ways of, of um, setting up areas where we could stretch out his back or give him a break. And, and um, often I would have to just, he, his, his muscles would just cramp up. I mean, I'm having him freeze, you know, with those cups and balls. It took forever or the gamblers, um, he would, he's sitting on a chair, but Jason's got all kinds of stuff around him to make sure he's comfortable. And, and uh, so I can, cause I had to climb all over him too. <laughs> so I would have to, I would have to give Johnny back massages <laughs> to, to, you know, to get to get out some of the knots, right? And I, I had strong little hands, so I was getting in there, and Johnny would be very happy about these uh, massages because it was relieving him from pain. But it <laughs> sounded a little different because Jason oh, no. gets in from one of the. <laughs> reception room 
what is going on in here? <laughs> right, if Jason only hears the sounds, that sounds uh, confusing at best. It was very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> and Jason, you've known Julie for a really, really long time. Uh, obviously, you've had a ton of uh, amazing memories together. Um, what, what, uh, what are the things that uh, really make her special? What are the things that you've noticed um, over the years that really make Julie, Julie? Well, I, I will repeat what other people have said. Um, there doesn't appear to be anything that she's not good at, you know, <laughs> um, maybe there are things she's not good at, but I've never seen one yet. Um, and, you know, most of my experience with Julie is at, um, uh, is at uh, uh, 31 Faces. Um, and just, it's amazing how on top of everything she was. I mean, if you're, if you're at 31 Faces and it's time to go, it's, you know, the, uh, the, the party's over, it's um, Monday morning and we're all leaving or whatever. Um, we'll be sitting around, two or three of us, be, and one of us will say, hey, how are we getting to the airport? And before that sentence has escaped your lips, Julie will look at you and say, oh, I've got a car coming. It, it's set. <laughs> or she'll be like, hey, you can go with this person because they're leaving at 2 o'clock and your plane is at 5.30, but their plane's at 5.15, so it'll be perfect. It'll work. I mean, and how she kept all of that straight uh, in her head every single time um, was amazing. Um, and so it's just – it's, uh, I mean, I'm sure that job was a lot like herding cats in, you know, in, in many situations because there's 31 of us. We're all doing our own thing, but we've all got to be here at a certain time and dinner's there and we've got to do this. And the way she managed all of that uh, was was spectacular. And it's, it's just testimony to how good she is uh, logistically at things. But there's a lot of people that are good at logistical stuff. Um, so it's not just that. Uh, then she's she's also good about, um, you know, about asking how you are, you know, how are you doing? And how is this person in your life and all of that? And so that's the, you know, the really caring and compassionate side of her. And then there's the, you know, the, the skillful side of her as an artist herself, you know. Um, it's just really amazing. I mean, she there's there's so much that she does and does well that, um, you know, that's what makes her special. And, uh, and don't, don't let me leave before telling you a story about, uh, just how special she is, um, uh, in here in just a second, give me, uh, three and a half seconds to let, uh, Daffy out of this room. She's uh, over here. Talk about herding cats, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, um, her, the herding cats analogy is better than uh, what I was going to say. Um, there's a classic old joke that I, I won't say all the words in. But, uh, <laughs> the old joke is about uh, a guy inviting his neighbor to a party. I'm sure uh, you've heard this old joke where he says, well, there's going to be drinking and fighting and this and there's going to be that and there's going to be more drinking and more fighting and this the guy says oh that sounds great uh how many people are going to be there oh it's just going to be the two of us <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the old joke and i left out a few words but uh I, that's kind of what 31 faces was like um, we had drinking we had fighting 
Uh, we had more drinking. We had card tricks. You know, it was uh, it was pretty great. But we came out um, alive. It's okay. We're here to tell. That? The story. We're here to tell the story. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, so I want to tell you, Harrison, real quick. You'd asked me earlier if there was any particular stories I wanted to tell, and I said no, there wasn't. You know, I just wanted to come here and, and celebrate uh, Julie with everybody. But then I realized um, that there is a story I want to tell, and it kind of ties everything about her and about me and about David, who was just on together. So um, I don't know when this was. This has got to be three or four years ago, uh, or whenever we were shooting the, the Johnny Thompson photos at Magic Live, there was an auction happening in Chicago. <clears throat> as one of uh, Gabe Fahuri's uh, Potter and Potter magic auctions. And I had looked at the auction catalog online and in it was a Di Vernon silhouette of a dog, uh, of like a, a poodle or something like that. And I collect, you know, anything Vernon that I can afford and I can't afford a lot of Vernon stuff because it fetches high dollars um, but being the dog lover that I am and the Di Vernon fan that I am, um, I was distraught over this Vernon dog silhouette appearing in this auction because I did not have a dime to my name. I had bought something else recently, and I normally keep, you know, four or five hundred bucks in, uh, you know, in petty cash lying around just for these sort of eBay auction type things that crop up. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, oh, this sucks. And I, I remember uh, talking to Julie about this. She's like, oh, what's the matter? And I said, oh, this, this Di Vernon dog silhouettes coming up in the, uh, in the Potter and Potter auction. And I don't have any money and I want it. Uh, and I'm sure it's going to be, you know, $500, $700 and I can't afford it. And Julie being Julie, just like, no, oh, that's interesting. Doesn't say anything. Um, she's just like, oh, that's very interesting. And so a couple of days go by, and I still am not entirely sure how she pulled this off, but a couple <laughs> of days go by, and we're I'll never forget this as long as I live. We're walking down one of the long hallways upstairs in the Orleans, um, going somewhere. I don't know where we were going specifically, but somewhere in the Orleans. And she goes, oh, uh, I have something for you. And I said, oh, what's that? She goes, she opens up her purse and she reaches into her purse and she pulls out three different Di Vernon dog silhouettes. <laughs> and she and says, them in front of you and watched you cry. No. <laughs> she says, uh, she goes, uh, these are from David choose and it was kind of like mr miyagi giving daniel son the car when he goes choose and i'm just like my jaw hit the floor and i'm like wait what is happening here so long story short the dog silhouette in the potter and potter auction belonged to david ben i didn't know that um, and it was one of apparently four that he had, and he put one in the auction to see how it would do. Uh, but he had three others. And uh, I don't remember if David had physically brought those to Las Vegas because he was there when we did the Stars of Magic show. 
uh, or if he mailed them. I don't know. You'll have to ask Julie how she got them. But somehow she manages to get this uh, Di Vernon uh, uh, silhouette set of dogs, and she let me pick the one I want. <laughs> and so I picked the one uh, that looks the most like um, a golden retriever. And this looks very much like my dog, Cooper, uh, who's not here right now. He's actually with my brother um, uh, spending the night. And so I picked this one, and uh, it's like one of my absolute prized possessions. And it's all because uh, David, Ben, and Julie Ng conspired to do something <laughs> wonderful me and uh that's just the kind of people they are yeah and david is still here by the way do you uh can you back up that's the first story? i've heard of this and i wonder what the hell happened to that silhouette i've been looking for those silhouettes you know i found two of them but okay that's your limitations i suppose but man that was yeah. to me. Not that yeah, kind of they were stolen there was broken glass yeah. it was a thing i don't know what happened <laughs> Julie's very good. <laughs> well, Jason and and David, uh, thank you for coming back on. Uh, and Jason, thank you so much uh, for sharing that. I, I, I we have a lot of people in the comments, by the way, uh, saying that's a wonderful story. So I appreciate uh, you sharing it and uh, and and sharing uh, your love for Julie with everybody. Uh, I thank you again to David and a huge thanks to Jason as well. Thank you guys both for joining us. Thank you. Thank Jason. you so much. We'll keep you. watching the rest of it. Thank you. These guys are like the best. Uh, they're amazing. And also every everybody I've emailed, it's just a testament to who you are. As soon as I said, hey, can you uh, pop on and surprise Julie? You're like, when do you need me? Where do you need me? Uh, and in fact, there is one more person who, uh, who, who got the memo. I tell everybody to dress up for this. And uh, only one of them decided to wear a tuxedo. Uh, he worked on, uh, I'd love to talk to him a little bit about the charitable stuff that you've done together, as well as just uh, all the performances and magic you've done together. But give it up for Bill Abbott. Oh, <laughs> look at you. you know, I you dressing up. I, you know, I tell everybody that it's a black tie and yet you're the, I think you're the first one to, uh, to follow that lead. <laughs> Hello, Bill. How are you? Stranger. Julie. I love you. <laughs> you honored you. Yeah, what a surprise. <laughs> Bill, where are you coming to us from? I'm in a secret location doing a private show at this lovely place. This is the uh, this is the dinner table here. Beautiful. So it's like a swanky joint, just to make Julie jealous. Totally. And, uh, uh, yeah, so I'm, I actually have to- Did one say that that uh, venue has a certain mystique to it? It does have a certain mystique to it, and uh, it's- <laughs> There's a California breeze uh, blowing me uh, as we speak. But uh, yeah, so I'm I'm here hanging out, and uh, I just wanted to say that yeah, I'm, as as we all know, Julie's wonderful, and I really think that she she is really the handler for the man children of magic. That's, that's what I feel is like that's you know I uh, we work together um, putting together the Magic Canna like magic, magic Canna Canada, program, yeah, and. Uh, you know, when I showed up, it was great. And uh, she she kept us organized. Yeah, there's gonna be all pictures of her for sure. And uh, <laughs> I was off to you know, who the hell knows. But uh, I do have a funny story. Well, one one story for sure was, um, so I made the mistake of, make, of letting, not letting, sorry, hiring, quote unquote, uh, Julie to open for me. I was doing a, a residency at a jazz club and Julie opened for me. And at the end of the show, uh, 
I had three people come up to me and say, she was fantastic. Do you have her, did you have her contact information? And I think she got more gigs out of that show than I did. <laughs> that's, that's the, that's the crappy mistake I made. But anyways, I mean, for my sake, obviously, but, uh, yeah, Julie, it's been so long, but, uh, you know, all, all, all my memories are fond of you and of, uh, obviously of Suli and David and, you know, having fun together and, Basically, just me goofing off and you keeping me in line. <laughs> Lovely. Bill, Bill was a great, great um, spark of fun in the My Magic Hands program because he he came up with these very interesting and creative ways of engaging the children. Well, you know, we could do it like this, but why don't we, you know, he really pushed the envelope to, to open up the kids' creativity. And I learned, like, you know, if you just animate yourself a little bit, and you give the kids the right tools, they they really can transform. And we developed a whole program, and it was it was really fun. I worked with Bill also on a a week long magic camp, and we, I mean, <laughs> Bill made the fatal mistake of being friends with the kids. Correct. <laughs> he was exhausted by Tuesday. We had to go until Fair. Friday. He was like, that came down like, okay, guys, we gotta. I, I, I think of myself, the analogy is I was the kite and she was the string trying to keep <laughs> tethered to something. So it wasn't like a shit show of all proportions, but it was, it was so fun though, because I think, and it is, it's because of, you know, Bill and I have very different ways of approaching it, but we, we want the same result. And I think the kids actually resonated because of that. And I learned a lot from, from all of that. So working with a, a, it seemed so zany at the time, like the way we were doing this and what they were long mm -hmm. and how do we engage the kids and how do we keep them, you know, really into this. And we, because of our own dynamic, we found a really, I think a winning mix. And I'm very proud of the program, Bill. It's like totally. 15 years, you know, at Holland Blorty. It's, it's amazing. And it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a very important project. And I, I see so many, I see so, I still haven't uh, contact with some of the kids from our program. That's so so it's, awesome. it's really a meaningful thing. We did a good thing. I think so too. <laughs> I do I miss that. you. I, I, I bought into the belly of the beast and now I'm here at, at the mercy of these assholes down here. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know what the hell's going on, but uh, I got a gig, which is nice. <laughs> That's still, true. I got my suit on for the first time since March, which is a nice, a nice change. Are you wearing pants though? No. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a table. They don't need to see my, they don't need to see my, uh, see my pantaloons I've got on here. They call yeah. that the Johnny Thompson, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Johnny Thompson. That's perfect. Well, Bill, we're, yeah. we're, uh, I, I thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and good luck on your gig. I know you have to get to that. But is yeah, there yeah. any last things you want to share with us before you uh, perform for real people in a real place? I'm just really nervous and excited, but I love you, Julie. So glad you're. Thank you so much for doing uh, this for me, Billy. Say hi to the, your family for me. I miss you guys. I will. Okay. And if you want to follow Bill Abbott, uh, you can go to his website, BillAbbottMagic.com. Great magic products, uh, great magic stuff. His Twitter is Bill Abbott Live on Twitter. Make sure you follow him uh, on both of those. Uh, there's his website, BillAbbottMagic.com, and Bill Abbott Live on Twitter. Bill, thank you so much for joining. Of course. <laughs> Take care, man. Bill Abbott, everybody. And we are uh, nearing very, very close to the end. If you have any last minute questions for Julie, please put them into the comments. Um, we are in stoppage time, which I, I promise is the only sports metaphor I know or will use. Um, Julie, as those questions come in, uh, I'll ask you a question or two. Sure. Uh, we alluded to this way in the beginning. Um, uh, one of the things that I've noticed, I, I have uh, 
female actor friends who don't use the word actress, female comedian friends who don't use the word comedian. Your website is magician.com. Do you think, do you feel like you're sort of reclaiming that word? Well, I, I do in some ways because it is a real word. It's a yeah. real, it's a real word. <laughs> it's really how the French spell magician for a female version, you know, and it's, and I, I, it's funny because when I first registered it, it was, you know, I can't even remember. It was very early on when we're, you know, domain names were kind of mysterious and we didn't even know how that was going to work. And .com was a big deal. And Although brief aside, you, you did get magictricks.com for your death shop, which is a coup. <laughs> it went like, that's, that was the thing. Like I, I thought about these words and I, I, my father was the one who really, really encouraged me to do that. He goes, look, you know, he gave me many life lessons, but one of them is like, you are a female magician. Like, why are you denying the truth of who your identity is to you and how you identify with the world? And, um, and I, that struck me, you know, it, it really was profound to me. And so I, I registered it just in and around when I came to Toronto and Suli spoke French and he, he absolutely said, no, you need to keep this. This is exactly who you are and how, you see yourself and identify in the magic world. Why Why would you want to change? And I know that some people do take issue with how magicien is used, but it's also, I think, intent and context. And I I, I am very proud of my my family, my history, my dear friends that I've, I've, I've garnered from this wonderful experience. Like, I'm proud of that. And I'm very proud to, to have um, maybe helped. I have been told before that I have inspired other young women to get into it because they see me doing it. So I, I feel like that's something that is now my duty and, and my responsibility. I'm older now and I want to make sure that those young women or whoever wants to be in magic gets that chance. You know, it's not exclusive to anyone. And I think magic is really opening up way faster, much more broadly. And I'm very excited by that. But but we need to keep that conversation going. And something like my my website does spark a lot of interest and conversation. And, and frankly, it does just differentiate me in, in the marketplace. No, it's, I mean, it's great. And also you were the first female president of the Victoria Ring, the Ernie Crockford Ring number 183. And since yes. it's presented by the M, I definitely want to make sure we shout them out. Um, my first membership was there. And I started, they made an accommodation because I think I was 16 or 14 at the time. I, was, I think I was one of the youngest to join up for that at the time too. So I served all positions multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, I'll, and I'll put that magician.org slash join, the IBM slash join. Uh, uh, one of the things that you actually said uh, in an interview is when you talked about the question of women in magic, that it comes down to exposure. If women are exposed to great magic, there will be more women in magic. Uh, obviously, you were exposed to great magic from your, your dad and, uh, and David Ben, a, a ton of people. Um, uh, can you speak more to that? Yes, I think what that means is kind of it, it touches on why I'm so passionate about Magicana, because we get a chance to explore different ways of being into magic. How how do you see yourself in magic? What do you want to find in resources and, and availability? And I think that having the exposure to great magic, like I have been really lucky. I My dad brought me into this. I didn't have to do it like a lot of other women do. And that is to join and to sort of break in and find their niche and find their 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 group. And I've been very blessed with the group of people that I have um, been in, in, in exposed to and also uh, now networked to. And I think it's really important to show you, yeah, like 
those guys are all my pals. And we did that show on the um, Stars of Magic documentary, live documentary they we did, I think it was in 2015. And, you know, they these guys were just wonderful because the best part of the whole thing for me is they were so used to, Johnny asked me to be on the show. He says, we need a woman on the show. <laughs> like he, he didn't mince his words. He says, we need it for variety. You can do this. In fact, he gave me his sugar cubes to do the trick with. These are the, the sugar cubes from the dunes. Amazing. Johnny gave me like a box of them. <laughs> so, but, you know, and he wanted me to do that trick because he says, it's, it's yours. You can, you, you've got the hands for it. It'll be fun. And it was, it was fantastic because he saw me as a person who could do it and who should do it because it added to the show as far as he was concerned. And the guys at the show, all they did was they're just like, they just, the best compliment I, I think I got from that show, working on that show, is they just treated me like one of the guys. Like, no special accommodation, no special handling, no, oh, but does she need that? Like, no, she's she's going to tough it out and she's going to do it just like everybody else would. And it it was a point of pride to me. So they saw me with the ability to do that. And I think that being exposed to good magic pushes you to do good magic and if you do good magic, you're going to find that that exposure does pay dividends in, in broadening your awareness in, in the magic community and, and to the greater public. And also, I think uh, it's a testament to you that you you yourself have been a fantastic role model for uh, future famous female magicians who see you. And uh, and I think that is that is really, really important. Um, so that 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 goes a really long way as well. Um, and it looks like, we, by the way, we've had comments from literally all over the world. Um, Danny Orleans uh, has been giving us shout outs from Chicago. Dustin has been giving us shout outs. Wow, wonderful. So typically, Julie. Um, we've had people in uh, Michigan. Uh, keep counting those votes. I saw David Charvet. I, don't David know, I, I saw that one too. And Richard Hatch was up there. And I asked Greg, man, wearing the fantastic yeah. animator, Dennis Carioca. Uh, yeah. Car that is great. Uh, Dale, who is a, a special Dale, yes, yes. Donald. Uh, yes. So that's also a huge testament to how much you are uh, loved and beloved by the magic community. Um, our final question, the question we always end every interview with, uh, and I think this is, is great because you, you alluded to this with Bill and, and we alluded to this as well with David, that you work with kids. Um, if there are young entertainers, young magicians watching this show, uh, what advice or, uh, or pieces of advice do you give to them? I, th I think it's important to seek out a, a mentor and, and to really think about what that word means and what does that look like. I know right now we're in a very difficult situation, so that means you're going to brush up on your, your writing skills and introducing yourself and seeking. I, th I think a lot of magicians who have established themselves have great experience and you, we want to try and target magicians that that resonate with you, their style, their performance, the venues they've worked. But if I may say, please approach it with with great respect. And I promise you, I promise you, if you do it with the, with the approach of the respect that I have seen from young magicians, you will go very far. Uh, I think it's a two way street in mentorship, and I think that um, magicians want to give. And I think magicians also want to, to learn. And I think this is the time now that we can really 
bridge a gap that has been widening over the past few decades. So now's our chance to really bring it together. We have we have these great platforms for sharing information now. So you can be around the world. We can reach each other very easily. So this is a chance for you to you know, go to Magic Canada's website and look at those free videos. See what kind of magic is out there. What has been done in the past? Maybe learn a little bit from the history of it. And I think, again, you will find that you'll discover stuff that you didn't know. And what you don't know, you don't know. That's when the magic begins. I, can, I can't think of a better way to end this episode. Uh, beautiful words um, for a beautiful person inside and out. Uh, thank you, Julie, thank you so much for joining. Uh, I appreciate it so much. Uh, and if you'd like to follow Julie, uh, magician.com, M-A-G-I-C-I-E-N-N-E.com. I read it out loud in case you're listening to this as a podcast. Magicana, magicana.com. Make sure you click on video to go to the screening room. And on Twitter, uh, A-N-J-U-S-A-N, and Instagram, Magician. Uh, Julie, thank you so much for joining. Stay safe and stay well, and I hope our paths cross again soon. Me too. Thank you so much for this, Harris. That was a huge surprise. You really got me. All right. Uh, I love it. Julie, mwah. thank you thank so you. much. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much for watching. That is our episode. A huge thanks, of course, to Julie and to all of our surprise guests. We had Sandra, uh, Jason, David, Bill, um, thank you guys so much. Uh, make sure you follow them. Um, you, they're all their websites uh, were listed already, but you have davidben.com. You have billabbottmagic.com. Of course, you have magician.com and magicana.com. Make sure you check out the screening room and all the great things that are on that fantastic website. My name is Harrison Greenbaum. You can follow me at Harrison Comedy on Twitter and Instagram, Harrison Comedy. Um, you can also go to whobooksthat.com. All the episodes are there, as well as links to downloading it as a podcast. It's every Wednesday at 7 p.m. if you're on the East Coast, 4 p.m. if you're on the West Coast. As always, this is presented by the International Brotherhood of Magicians. So a huge thanks to them. Magician.org slash join dash the dash IBM slash join. That has been another fantastic and epic episode of Who Books That? Thank you so much for watching. I really, really appreciate it. And I'll see you next week. Here is the credits with a theme song that I'm definitely not just singing in real time while it plays. It's definitely pre-recorded professionally. Who books that with Harrison Greenbaum? Harrison Greenbaum. Who books that? Presented by the IBM.